like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. Everybody, welcome like to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Market Show. I hope you all are ready for a fantastic episode of the show today. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, let's make sure to go over to Housekeeping Items first. Make sure to follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman or X. Depends on what you want to call it. I don't care. Free country. Do what you want. On Instagram, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. Show's Instagram. Wow, I did that backwards. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also go to TheLoganBlackmanShow.com to check out links to all our different forms of social media as well as blog posts. We have released our final quarterback prospect rankings for the season. We did our week 13 rankings, and we released those on Friday. So go ahead and check those out. Go and check out the other ones that we have on the website as well. You can go through 1 through 13, and you go on the YouTube channel to go and check out our preseason rankings as well and just see how they compare. You can go watch the video and read Week 13's blog post and see which are, what's different, what's changed throughout the process of the college football season because I can promise you a lot has changed in that aspect. And, of course, the main thing and the most important thing and the final thing, make sure to follow Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Use the search bar, search Logan Blackman Show. The only way you know what I'm saying at this moment, moment in time is if you're listening to the show, so you might as well make sure you are subscribed. And while you're making sure you are subscribed, you might as well leave a rating to five stars of both as well. And then leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, it's Wednesday, so we're a day late and a dollar short. I do apologize. I do apologize. Sunday was a very relaxing day for Logan. Because this is a Sunday that the Bills did not play. So I took full advantage of this. I hung out with some childhood friends, went to go get Indian food, walked around the mall, then I hung out with Brady and Carly, watched the 49ers beat the Eagles, I watched the Chiefs lose the Packers, LOL, and we'll get to that game here in a little bit as well. We'll get to that a little later in the show. But I just used that day to just relax. You know the 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 Zoolander movie? Where it's relax, don't do it. I was relaxing. I did absolutely freaking nothing on Sunday. I relaxed. I didn't stress about a football game. I showered at 11.15. Like, that's the type of day that we were going for. And Saturday, I didn't shower until later in the day. I don't even know what time it was then. Just two very relaxing weekends until the evening on Saturday. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But it was a nice weekend. I could have recorded a show at any point on Sunday. But I thought, you know what? Let's hang out with some friends. Let's relax. Let's not get worked up over stupid stuff today. We'll save that all for Wednesday. And we're not really going to get worked up today. I don't think that's a, a fair representation of what we're going to do here on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun talking points here. But man, got a couple quizzes for you as well. Got our reveal of our playing cards. Remember we did this last Monday? We did the uh, the trivia questions, the three trivia questions for you. I don't remember exactly which questions we did, but we'll try to remember which ones we did. But we'll go over those later. The main thing I want to focus on here is the thing that happened on Saturday night. And we'll go over all the things that happened Saturday as well as Friday night as well. But Saturday night was obviously the Iowa versus Michigan game. If you listen to last Wednesday show, because of course we didn't do a Thursday show, or do a Friday show, sorry about that. I, I, what was I doing Thursday? There was a reason I didn't do a show Thursday, and I don't, I don't really recall. Who played Thursday night football? 
Who was the Thursday night football game? I don't, I don't really remember. What did I do Thursday? Was there something big that was going on Thursday and I'm just completely blanking? I don't, it don't matter. It don't matter. Either way, we didn't do a show Thursday. So the last show we did completely previewed the Iowa versus Michigan game. And what we said going into this game is that Iowa, if they want to win this game, they've got to make it ugly. They got to try and control time possession. You can't do anything stupid in regards to turning the ball over. And if Michigan gives you an opportunity to take the ball away from them, you have got to take it, which is something Michigan does not do very often. As we talked about on Wednesday's show, J.J. McCarthy has four interceptions on the season. Three of those were in week three's matchup against Bowling Green. He has thrown one interception since week three. He does not turn the ball over a lot. Michigan as a team does not turn the ball over that much. Their running backs don't really fumble that much. They have a solid off the line. They got receivers that don't really drop a lot of passes. They're not the greatest receivers, but Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, even the tight ends, they have very sure hands. So if they give you an opportunity to take the ball away from them, you've got to take it. And that's what happened. J.J. McCarthy had a pass. I can't remember if it was Jay Higgins or Nick Jackson, but J.J. McCarthy threw a pass, hit one of them right in the face, dropped it. That's an opportunity you have to take. And in this game, you know what we talked about again? Dirty, no turning the ball over, all that stuff. Iowa tried to make it dirty because mostly they couldn't do anything else. <laughs> the, the pass game is non-existent. We knew that going into the game. Jazz, Caleb Johnson, LaShawn Williams all got touches in this game. All of them got touches. So that was good. Jazz's touches went down severely after he fumbled uh, when Iowa crossed the 50-yard line for, I think, the first time. It was basically set up on the 50 digs to a terrible punt. But across the 50 nonetheless. But this was just a... It, it, it frustrates me mostly because this is a game... It's going to sound odd. It's going to sound very odd. This is a game Iowa could have won. I know they lost 26 to nothing, but... When you look at the two touchdowns Michigan scored, both of them were set up on short fields. The punt return, the massive punt return, set them up at, like, what, the six-yard line? And then the fumble, which was a really weird play. <laughs> like, you got the blown dead play. And there was some, like, con there was a, some talking on Twitter today about what it is. Uh, Chad Leistico, he tweeted about it today. Clarity from the Big Ten to me, in parentheses, on the Deacon Hill incomplete pass that was overturned on replay to a fumble in the Big Ten championship game. Big Ten cites rulebook, which states if the replay official overturns an incomplete forward pass ruling or incomplete forward pass ruling and the ball is recovered, it belongs to the recovering team at the spot of the recovery and any advice advanced, any advance is nullified because there is replay inadvertent whistle rules overruled. Lesson, any loose ball in the future, just go all out, even if the whistles are blowing. Because that's the funny thing. It's like the old, one of the oldest adages in football is play to the whistle. Well, when the whistle's dead, <laughs> when the whistle sounds, that's usually your sign, okay, we're done. Like, the funniest part about that thing is that it all took place, the review and all that took place at commercial break. <laughs> so, you didn't even really get to hear the analysis from anything. It just, like, you went to a commercial break, and then Michigan's got the ball, and then Blake Corum scores one play later. And then in a blink of an eye, Iowa had the ball, and then Michigan scores a touchdown. It happened so fast. And the funniest part about the whole thing is when you see the recovery, the ball is just laying on the ground and dude from Michigan just literally bends over and picks up the ball with one hand and just hands it to the ref. That was the quote unquote recovery. <laughs> that's what, that's what made it really funny. Like, I don't want to sit here and act like there was a massive turning point in the game. Iowa's offense was null and void the entire freaking time. 
But Iowa's defense played a very, very, very good game. And Phil Parker, rightfully so, won the assistant coach of the year today. It's not even close. It's not even a competition for who should win the, uh, just assistant coach of the year. Or maybe you can just even chalk it up to just general coach of the year. That's how good of a year Phil Parker has a defense coordinator with all the stuff you have on the opposite side of the ball that's not going for you. Like, do you remember what we talked about with Caleb Williams a couple weeks ago when we talked about, like, USC's going into these games, like, against Oregon, like, against Washington, against Cal, against Notre Dame. And, yes, Caleb Williams had three interceptions against Notre Dame. That's not really what I wanted to point out. But, still, the defense allowed 48 points. In those games, USC's defense was giving up, on average, like, 49 points a game. So, it's hard to compete against not only the other team, but your own defense because you know they're not going to stop anybody. So it's just a race to see who finishes with the most. And I know that's the I know that's the general practice of football. The team that scores the most points wins. I understand that. But when you're trying to race like USC had to do with the latter parts of the season because your defense is just shipping points, basically having a conveyor belt defense or evolving door defense, sorry. Conveyor belt defense. <laughs> I mean, that works too. Shift is allowing touchdowns down the line. Just keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's kind of what Phil Parker was doing. Phil Parker's defense was on the field so damn much this year, and the fact they still ranked near the top in almost every defensive statistical category, even without the last few games of the season, without their best player in Cooper DeGene, like, is in, in one of your best defensive linemen as well, and Noah Shannon, who was out for the year to do the, the gambling probe. All hats tipped to you, Phil Parker. Fedora tipped to you, sir. Because this year was nothing sort of spectacular. The offense was a laughing stock. And in this game, more than any game Iowa's had this year, in a game that meant so much, we brought this up a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, over a month ago, we've, we've pretty much been bitching about this the entire season. If Iowa had any semblance of an offense, they could be actually contenders for things. I'm not sitting here and saying, like, oh, Iowa could go on to win the national title. I'm not saying that. That would be like, the pipe dream of all pipe dreams that Iowa can go and compete for a national championship game. But this is the second year in a row where Iowa has wasted a great, great, great defense. Last year's might have been worse because you had the likes of Jack Campbell, Riley Moss on the team. But this defense was so insane. And you wasted it. Again, Lucas Van Ness, another one who got his first sack last week against the Chiefs. You wasted it again. Again, this is a game that was went despite the scoreline. This is my problem. Like when you just look at piggyback, like just look at the score. Iowa was actually competitive this game. If you just look at the defensive side of the ball, the offense did nothing. And I credit to Michigan's defense. I'll give some credit to Michigan's defense, but Deacon Hill is the worst quarterback in college football. And that's not me just saying that. <laughs> that's not, no, it's not me just saying that. Advanced analytics, ESPN, QBR, e, EPA, per play. Deacon Hill is by far the worst in college football. The best is Jaden Daniels. The top five in college football are Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Dylan Gabriel, who just entered the transfer portal. Looks like he's going to Oregon. And Carson Beck. Deacon Hill is so far last... He's not even on the line. <laughs> it is insane. And every single time a press conference comes out about Deacon Hill going on about, oh, we don't want to turn the ball over. We won't want to focus. Joey Labus throws too many interceptions in practice. We don't want to be about turning the ball over. 
Deacon Hill, damn near, averages two turnovers a game. It's insane. And you can say whatever you want about the fumble. That's fine. I don't care. But dude has six interceptions this season. Six interceptions this season. And five touchdowns. I don't know how he managed to get five touchdowns. I really don't. I really don't. And when you look at Deacon Hill play, he's got this thing going on for him where I would call it like arm arrogance isn't really the word I'm looking for. It's more of like just big arm syndrome. And it was kind of something Josh Allen had really early in his career in the NFL where you have the strongest arm in the country. Like you're talking about between Deacon Hill and Joe Milton. Those are probably the two strongest arms in all of college football. Joe Milton's insanely more accurate, but <laughs> he's also in his sixth year of college football. But the reason I say that is because every single throw, if it's not bouncing off a receiver's helmet because <laughs> he just beams it in there, it's late. Every single one. Hitch routes, late. Slant routes, late. Everything is late. Michigan was sitting back on damn near every single throw and could have, could have had a couple picks in this game. They surprisingly didn't end up with any. Didn't end up with any. And not only that, is he just throwing insanely late on these throws, being insanely late on these throws, he has negative pocket awareness. Michigan sent blitzers out, just not even trying to hide it. (laughs) And he stares them down and just refuses to throw the football. And when he's throwing it, it's when they're already making contact with him. He had one of those throws that actually looked pretty decent. I don't remember who it was to. The receiver ended up dropping it. And I understand it goes both like Iowa's receivers haven't necessarily been the most consistent in regards to catching the football this year, which is, you know, rule number one in regards to playing wide receiver. I understand there's been some inconsistencies in that department, but still, it's insane. How can you watch? I don't care how bad Joey Labus looks in practice. There's no way he looks this bad or has looked this bad. There's no way. There's just no freaking way. And now he's transferring. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. I wish I had the graphic up because I can't find it. Someone posted a graphic about Deacon Hill's turnovers. Try to find it on Twitter now. So I had a screenshot of it. And now I can't find it. It's fumbled seven times in seven starts. Has six interceptions, 13 turnovers on the season. Deacon Hill is separating himself from the competition. (laughs) That's in the, the graphic we just talked about. Deacon Hill and J.J. McCarthy have the same amount of L's as a starter. National media won't let you talk about that, though. (laughs) That was before the game. That was before the game. Actually, no, as a starter, as a starter, because I guess it's not just including this year. And that's one, (laughs) because he lost to Minnesota. J.J. McCarthy obviously lost to TCU last year. But I don't know. It's insane to watch. It's absolutely insane. It's ironic, because I was playing Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. What a name. What a name. But, oh my God, it is, it, it, it hurts to watch. And I don't know how you would feel about it as a defender because I know at William Penn, when the offense would struggle, the defense would let the offense know. They would definitely let the offense know. We had a couple fights at practice. It happens during practice. If the offense is struggling, the defense keeps going on the field and gets tired and gets beat, there are going to be some hands thrown. There's going to be some pushing and shoving, extracurricular activities going on at practice. It just happens. So I want to know what it looks like from an Iowa perspective 
when you're watching this offense go out there every single time and knowing you have a defense that can compete nationally for titles and stuff, like conference titles, not just not, not just division titles, conference titles, in a game that was won by a punt return and a fumble recovery, essentially, that's got to be frustrating. That's got to be so insanely frustrating. And then remember we talked about a Wednesday, like Kirk Ferentz talked about how Cade McNamara's injury stopped them from being an elite offense, elite scoring offense. That's not true. I know he's, <laughs> I know he could say that because no one could disprove it because Cade McNamara was hurt all year, but we know, we know it wasn't going to be anything that spectacular. We thought it would be better than what it would have been, what it was last year. We thought it'd be better than what it would have been, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just a really rough watch this year, and it just makes me sick even just watching that championship game going like, wow, they're actually playing pretty solid. The defense is playing really well. They're playing really, really, really well. And they're going to lose. They're going to get blanked. Back-to-back Big Ten titles, Iowa has been absolutely blanked in. Where's the other stat I had of this? I was the first Big Ten team to win 10-plus games in regular season be shut out in multiple times in a season. Oh, that's just not even a conference title. Season. Since Chicago and Northwestern both did it in 1903. So breaking records. Breaking records here. I was the first Big Ten team to win 10-plus games in a season be shut out multiple times in a season. So if Iowa played a ranked team, they were not scoring. That's pretty much it. 26 <laughs> nothing, 31 nothing. And so it's I mean we play with a 1903 offense, which is fair, which is fair. I know some people are out there like die hard, die hard, die hard, beyond die hard Iowa fans, and that's every every fan base has them. Every fan base has them that are sick and tired of the national media making fun of it. But I I, I don't know. We kind of just gotta take it. Can't really defend it. It's bad. It it just is. It's just bad. I don't think Michigan played the greatest game of all time. I think Iowa was just absolutely shite on offense. Absolutely could never get anything going. Nothing going. Not even a semblance of anything going. But Michigan's got one of the best defenses in college football, so people can just turn that spin zone it and say Iowa would have done stuff if they were playing a worse defense. That's what some people will do. Michigan's defense is that good, they just completely shut down Iowa's offense. When Iowa did the same things against Northwestern's defense. Like, it's just, I don't know. I I just don't know what to say about the game itself. Expectations were met, I guess. Iowa's offense doing next to nothing, trying to make it as ugly as possible, maybe on the more on the eyes than what they actually did in the game. But, yeah. First 12 games of the season, Iowa's offense, 2,956 yards. Tonight they had 96. I don't know if this was around, finished the game. Would they finish the game? Did they finish the game with 96 yards of offense? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. I thought I finished with 150-something. But at the time of this screenshot that I had, first 12 games, 2,900 yards, just over 2,900 yards. And then yards of punting, 3,700 yards of punting. Rank for Iowa's offense and yards, 133 out of 133. Iowa's rank in yards for punting first. And Torrey Taylor's going to the NFL. He's already announced that. We're just senior day, did the whole Joe Burrow thing, and we'll just ride off in the sunset. Ugh. And it was what made it even worse watching this game is that 
you knew the next morning what was coming or even that evening, more so the next morning. But, you know, that evening there was going to be some stuff on Twitter and social media stuff from rival fans. It, it was expected. It was expected. There's nothing better for a lot of people out there to see your biggest rival or one of your biggest rivals absolutely shite the bed in the conference championship game. When the whole country is watching on Fox, the whole everybody is watching this game. Obviously, Florida State and Louisville was on ESPN, but we'll get to that game in a little bit. Or was that on ABC? It doesn't matter. It was, on, it was on the same time, but you could watch Iowa's game. That's the big thing. Everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. Six of nine to Iowa's drives have been less than three, have been three plays or less. Iowa now averages 16.6 points per game and a season ended today. That would be the first team since 1938 Oklahoma to win to one, win 10 games and two, score fewer than 17 points a game. But this is a game where Iowa sucked, lost the game 26-0, got blanked, offense was non-existent. And when your team, when your rival team sucks, loses, blanked, whatever, on national television in the conference championship game, rival fans will start talking. And that's expected. You expect that. I didn't know when it was going to come, but as we've talked about before on the show, I'm in a fantasy football league that I've been in a very long time. Very, 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 very long time. I think since about seventh grade, I've been in this fantasy football league. And we have a Snapchat group chat. In this group chat, I would say... A large, probably it's closer to 50 50, I would imagine, but there's a decent amount of Cyclone fans in this group chat. And there's a couple of them that despise everything to do with the University of Iowa. <laughs> Literally everything to do with Iowa. Big basketball fans, big football fans, every time Iowa loses, messages in the group chat about Iowa losing a game. And that's expected. I saw it right. I knew it was coming <laughs> and I saw it. I was like, ah, God, I didn't know when it was happening. I'm actually surprised it didn't happen the night. I thought it would take no time at all and just message. They had a few people entertaining it and going back and forth with the entire thing. I just tried to stay away from it. because I was like, yeah, I knew it was coming. There's nothing really to, to necessarily say about it. The long and short of it, I would say, for those curious, the Big Ten West went 0-10 all-time Big Ten Championship games with an average margin of defeat by 20.7 points per game. 114 versus ranked opponents this season. Minnesota over Iowa, the lone win. Iowa making records again. Made this horrible division rest in piss. And yeah, everybody knows the Big Ten West is bad. It's not really, you're preaching to the choir here. Everybody <laughs> everybody already knew it. But I, I I've brought this up last week. It's a really weird time to, like, start talking about how bad. I, like, I know the Big Ten West is bad. I think every Iowa fan is aware the Big Ten West is bad. And there's going to be some people that defend it. There's going to be some. But it's bad. It is bad. But the Big 12 had one of its worst years that I can remember as well. Like, the Big 12 title game. Like, if we're going off the grand scheme of the title games that took place. We got, like, the SEC, ACC, MAC. Uh, AAC, Big Ten, all the conferences. All had conference championship games this week. The only other game, apart from Iowa-Michigan, that most people understood was going to end with one team winning was the Big 12 championship game. Because you had a Texas team that, yes, beat Alabama this year. Very good Texas team. Very good Texas team. 
battled some threats, some, some adversity this year. I had Quinn Ewers go down with injury. Had their starting running back tears ACL. Had close games against like Kansas State, TCU. Like there were close games this year. They lost to Oklahoma, unfortunately. But the game against Alabama was really fun to watch. Good team. The team that they played, Oklahoma State, who had Alan Bowman at starting quarterback, who was the third string at Michigan behind J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara, after transferring from Texas Tech, transferred back to Oklahoma State, sucked this year, goes to the Big 12 Championship game after Oklahoma State lost by, what, 33-7 to South Alabama and 45-7 to UCF, who's either the worst or second worst team in the conference. The Iowa State loss, that's fine. I, I count that as a fine loss. You lost on the road. It was a close game. Like, that's fine. I don't. That's not a bad loss. The other two games are terrible losses. The South Alabama game was at home. You needed to beat BYU by one score <laughs> to get to the Big 12 championship game. BYU is not a good football team. Did you not see Iowa State absolutely boat race them in Provo, Utah, which is one of the hardest places to play in all college football? Did you see that? Like, the Big 12 can go around saying it's ultra-competitive this year. That's the same thing the Big 10 West has been saying for years. The Big 12 was ass this year, and it's fine. It's fine. You had a terrible-ass team, a terrible-ass 9-3 and team in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State is a very bad football team. They're not good at offense or defense. They're a bad team. And the Big 12 was a jumbled mess this year. The only good team in the Big 12 was Texas. The only good team in the Big 12 was Texas. That was it. Like, we can talk about the Big 10 West being bad. The Big 12 as a whole was bad this year. We can all say that. It's not even like taking a necessarily massive shot at the Big 12. It just wasn't very good. Now, I think there were some good stories in there, like Iowa State. They performed way above expectations this year. They had a bunch of uh, players getting kicked off the team. You had their running back, quarterback, tight end players getting met, get off the team. You have no... Uh, idea who your quarterback was going into week one you had a new running back system you had a new office coordinator you had an offensive line coach new offensive line coach you had a special teams coordinator there's a lot of different questions going in so Iowa State really could have gone anywhere from one win up to seven that was about the range so no one knew what Iowa State was going to do this year they ended up doing the latter to go to seven very nice season for Iowa State Rocco Beck looks really good Abu Sama really good can't take anything away from him TJ Tampa had a very good season Jeremiah Cooper good season But it was just a mess of a conference this year. Mess, mess, mess. <laughs> like, Oklahoma wasn't anything particularly that amazing either. They lost two games. They beat Texas, yeah. But you look at the games against UCF. Beat them by two points at home. Lost by lost to Kansas and Oklahoma State. Barely beat BYU as well. Like, it's just a... It was not a good year for either conference. So let's not go going around chanting about which conference is worse, which conference is better. Big Ten West is well-documented being shit. Well-documented being shit. The Big Ten, you look at the East, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland's a solid football team, solid enough football team. I don't want to make, I don't want to make any outrageous claims here. Rutgers had a solid season. They competed against Ohio State this year. Very close game until the fourth quarter against Ohio State. But it's just a... Not great for the two Iowa conferences here. Not a, not a great season. Not a great season. So we can't really compare and contrast conference championships, which conference was better or worse this year, because both conference championship games were non-starters before they even started. No one in their right mind thought Oklahoma State was going to compete in this game. Nobody. The game was almost 35-7, and then Quinn Ewers threw a near pick six, and it was 24-18. 24-17. So, 28-14. <laughs> 
But that game was never close. Quinn Ewers had a career game against Oklahoma State. Absolutely dominated them. Never close. No one ever thought that game was going to be close. If Iowa made it, Iowa's defense was the reason people said, ah, Iowa can make this game somewhat interesting. I don't know what Oklahoma State does <laughs> to make it like a fun game. I don't know what they do. You look at the you look at the defensive stats for the for the Big Twelve for Oklahoma State. We're just talking about Oklahoma State here. They have they they have, they gave up 377 yards defense this year. There are two defenses in the entire conference that gave up more yards, and that's Houston, who gave up one more yard than them, and then Baylor, who gave up 400 yards this year or points points sorry points not yards points. This is overall. This isn't in conference, but we could go to conference. Not as not as difficult because you know the thirty three points to South Alabama is not not very good not a very good look for Oklahoma State. But three hundred eighty three points, decent amount score more than Iowa State. But Iowa State looked dead at the start of the year. Like it's just a weird team, very weird team. Alan Bowman, that starting quarterback. Alan Bowman can be for net. like same thing. Deacon Hill can be for a conference title. Ridiculous. We're going against a team that scored 470 points this year, <laughs> only behind Oklahoma, and then allowed 228 points, which is the best in the Big 12. No one thought Oklahoma State was going to go in that game and win. <laughs> Nobody thought they were going to win that game. I don't care how dire of an Oklahoma State fan you were, you know, no one thought you were going to win that game. And I thought it was funny. Game day, Pat McAfee, Theo Vaughn, and Lee Corso all picked Iowa to beat Michigan, which would have been funny, but it's not really the most, <laughs> you know – the signing seal of approval that you're looking for. You got three out of the five people on the panel picked Iowa to win, but it was Pat, Theo, and Lee Corso. So I didn't really hold a lot of weight in that. It was just kind of funny to see. But game day was fun to watch on Saturday. I love Pat McAfee's thing with the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, it was fun. Very fun. I very much enjoyed that. But there's some fun, weird, messy Things that happened in the college football playoff rankings this weekend on Sunday after the conference championship game. So if you guys did not watch anything that happened from Friday to Saturday evening, we had Washington beating Oregon. Shocker. Now, I, I thought Oregon would win. I didn't look at the line of that game once. Oregon was really a nine and a half point favorite. Nine and a half? Like, I saw that the next day, I, I, like after the game happened. Nine and a half is insane. For given for how good Washington has been, I know they've been a little up and down recently. We've talked about that. We've documented their quote unquote struggles this season since the Oregon game, since the first Oregon game. They haven't been playing that great. Michael Penix has taken some somewhat of a dip since then. But man, that was a fun game. Very fun game. Probably the best conference championship game of the weekend, at least the ones that I watched. Because the other <laughs> two of the other three I watched were Oklahoma State, Texas, and Iowa, Michigan. So I, did, I didn't really watch a whole lot better conference football games. Conference title games, sorry. But the only other one I really sat down and watched was Alabama, Georgia. And Alabama, of course, came out and won that game. And that's where all hell pretty much broke loose. That's where hell broke loose. And they were up pretty much the entire game. Like, Alabama had a very good game plan. Very good running football team. Jalen Milrose looked insane since getting benched earlier this season. I say insane. He's been playing really well since getting benched earlier this season. And it's nice to see Alabama not going that, like, we need our quarterback to bail us out in the passing game like we did last year. And Nick Saban even said as much. Nick Saban even went out and said we were too Bryce-centric last year. 
So going from Bryce Young to Jalen Milrow, who's more of a running quarterback versus a throwing quarterback, you're going to have to adjust some things. It took a little bit for Alabama to adjust, but once they got into that rhythm, looked very, very good. Jalen Milrow throws a really good deep ball. The intermediate and short game is not all the way there yet, but the deep ball is there. He's a very effective runner, very physical runner as well. Big dude, like thick, like well-built dude. He's not necessarily the tallest, but he's a well-built dude. But Alabama goes and wins that game. And again, everything else after that, Jay, <laughs> because you got an eighth-ranked Alabama team that just won the SEC championship game. The SEC is college football's baby. It's just college, that's that's the baby. That's all we can't have. We can't have the SEC not in the playoff. And Georgia just lost. Michigan won. Washington won. So we got those two in. What do we do now? Georgia, where do they drop to? We'll get okay. We'll get to that in a little bit. But only I know what I was going to say. <laughs> but what do you do? Alabama beats Georgia. You're going to leave Alabama. Well, if you leave Alabama, if you put Alabama in, you got to put Texas in. Because Texas beat Alabama. And Texas routed Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Now, a win against number one Georgia is more impressive than a win against Oklahoma State. I think they were 18th ranked Oklahoma State. That's more impressive win, obviously, beating the number one team in the nation. But still, Alabama lost to Texas at home. Texas probably had the best win of the season up until Alabama beating Georgia. So if you're going to put Bama in, because the College Football Playoff Committee has never not had the SEC in, now, granted, Texas is in there, so it counts. So you need to put—they needed to put Georgia or Alabama in, but you couldn't put Georgia in because they just lost to Alabama. So there's your problem. And Florida State is not only now without Jordan Travis, but their starter, past Jordan Travis, has a concussion. And they go in and beat Louisville in an ugly, ugly, ugly game. But they beat Louisville, thirteen and zero on the season. 13-0 on the season. So now you are stuck in a situation where Georgia is 12-1, been ranked number one the entire year apart from like two weeks. You got Texas, who's 12-1, just won the Big 12 title. You got Alabama, who's 12-1, just won the SEC championship game. And you got Florida State, who's 13-0, who has beaten LSU this year to give them a top 25 win. They also had a couple other top 25 wins, didn't they? Beat Duke in a nice game at home. Beat Clemson as well. Beat Louisville, top 15 ranked team in the nation as well. So there's two or three top 25 victories right there for Florida State. And Jordan Travis is out. If you were to ask me Saturday after the Florida State game who the best four teams in the country were, I would have said... Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. I think that's I think those are the four best teams in the country. You can agree or disagree with me on that all you want, but I think those are the four best teams. I think more people are fearing Alabama than they fear Florida State. But that being said, Florida State went undefeated and won their conference title and were ranked fourth and dropped in the rankings. That's where the situation comes into play where you didn't do anything to lose your spot. You literally, the only thing that kept Florida State out of this is Jordan Travis snapping his leg and then your backup quarterback getting a concussion. That's what kept Florida State out of this. 
And I don't think Florida State's been that consistent this year. They've had some games where they've somewhat played down to the level of their competition and games they should have played better in. Granted, they won all their games again. You went 13-0 in a Power 5 conference with multiple wins over top 25 teams. You won your conference. You met every single stipulation the College Football Playoff Committee is looking for. But the problem is they were not going to lead the SEC championship out, champion out, regardless if it was Alabama or Georgia. They were not going to leave them out. So if you're not leaving them out, in this case Alabama, you're putting Texas in because Texas beat Alabama. And I think at this point in time, both those teams are better than Florida State. But that doesn't make the pain hurt a little bit deep for the Florida State Seminoles, who, again, are undefeated. Did not lose. (laughs) The only thing that hurt them in this rankings is the injury to Jordan Travis, who went on Twitter and went on social media and said, I wish I broke my leg earlier so you would have seen how good this team actually was. And what was kind of funny about it, we'll get to this in a little bit, but they released the Heisman candidates. It's the people you expected, but Jordan Travis wasn't in there. And people were like, well, Jordan Travis was good enough to keep Florida State out, but he's not good enough to win a Heisman. It's like, that's kind of the point, but not really at the same time. Like, Jordan Travis, very good quarterback. Very good quarterback. One of the best quarterbacks in college football, but he was never really in the Heisman running. He never really was, even before he broke his leg. But going into the college football playoff with Jordan Travis is a little bit more, makes you a little bit more competitive than it would have been going in with your third-string quarterback. Jordan Travis is insanely important to what Florida State do on offense, giving his running ability and his improvements as a passer as well, but he wasn't a Heisman candidate. And I know that hurts some people, because it kind of contradicts what the college football playoff committee was basically saying. But one, it doesn't need to equal the same thing. Just because he was the most important player for Florida State on offense, maybe. Because they still have Keon Coleman. They still have Johnny Wilson. Trey Benson's there as well. Um, the tight end. Uh, Bell. Jaheim Bell. You got good players still, but Jordan Travis made everything click. He is one of the best quarterbacks in college football, just not a Heisman candidate. And going into the game without him against Michigan or whoever, if you want to play Washington, either way, I don't think Florida State's winning that game. I don't. Now, if they absolutely lit up Louisville, then we might be talking about this a little bit different. Because you can go back to the first ever college football playoff final where we saw Ohio State in. Who happened to be on their third string quarterback? Remember Braxton Miller came into the season as Ohio State starter. I think he had a shoulder issue. And then JT, JT, uh, JT Barrett comes in. Oh, said JT Miller. JT Barrett comes in. Has a very, very good season. Snaps his leg against uh, Michigan or tears his ACL against Michigan. Last game of the regular season. Jordan Travis snapped his leg second to last week of the regular season. Michigan goes, or Ohio State goes to the Big Ten Championship game. Routes, I think it was Wisconsin. It was Wisconsin or Nebraska. I can't remember which one. Absolutely routes them. Ohio State. One loss on the season goes to the college football playoff with a third-string quarterback. They also helped at that time, though, the Big 12 didn't have a conference title game. So you had TCU and Baylor, who were both sitting on the outside looking in because they were co-conference champions. So it was kind of a situation like, we don't know what to do here. They're a conference champ. They're co-conference champs. How do we divide this? Baylor beat TCU that year, if I remember correctly. So I sure a lot of Florida State fans point to that and go, hey, they had a third-string quarterback. Why'd they get to play? They had a third-string quarterback, and they didn't only play. They went on to win the national championship game. That could be us. And maybe it could have been. 
but we'll never know. And I'm sitting here right now and saying that I agree that these are the four best teams in college football, but I do think Florida State got screwed in the same, the same thing. And what's kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time, if Georgia won, Florida State's in. Because the only reason Florida State's not in is because the committee cannot put Alabama in without putting Texas in. That's the only reason. Like, if we're going, I know the quarterback thing's big, but if we're going about the specific rankings, quarterback's going to be the main thing. But if we're going about why Texas and Alabama are in there and Florida State's out, it's because Alabama won the SEC. They were not going to leave the SEC champ out. And you put Alabama in, Texas beat Alabama, you can't justify not having Texas in if Alabama's in. And Washington and Michigan are safe. Craziness. Absolute craziness. That's why we're expanding the playoff, man. That's why we're expanding the playoff. And I also, like we're talking about feeling bad for teams. I agree Georgia shouldn't be going this year. But the, the problem, one of my issues I have with the playoff rankings, if this was any other time in the regular season, like let's say hypothetically this was week seven and Alabama and Georgia played. Alabama's ranked eighth, Georgia's ranked number one. If Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia drops to what? Three? Four? They don't drop to six. <laughs> they lost to a top 10 football team by three points. They're not going to drop to six. And I understand you got to do that for the college football playoff ranking, like the, the final rankings for the national championship and all that stuff. But you got to have the same consistency throughout the entire year, no? Like if Georgia was going to drop to six this week, like they pretty much just went back to where Bamba was. <laughs> they, dropped, they were number one the entire season. Apart from two weeks when Ohio State was number one, the opening playoff rankings, I think the week after. Maybe just one week. Maybe it was just one week. Two-time reigning defending national champs. They haven't lost a game in two years. They dropped to six. After losing one game to the eighth-ranked team in the nation. That would be fine if they lost to, I don't know, who would be a good, <laughs> who would be a good example of that? Vanderbilt. I don't know. Not Vanderbilt. Missouri. If they lost, No, not Missouri because they're a top 10 team. If they lost to... Who's that? SEC? Kentucky. If they lost to Kentucky, then, I would, then that would be a ranking where you could go, yeah, they could drop to six. They dropped five spots. Losing the eighth ranked team in the country. Five spots. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And the reason I say that as well, because Oregon lost too. So it's... <laughs> it's not, and Ohio State didn't play. So it's not like you're going to have a bunch of teams moving up to jump them. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at that part wrong, but that's how I see it. I, I feel like if this was any other point in the season, I know this time's more important than others because conference championship week and all that, but I don't know. I could be I could be looking at that wrong, but you tell me. You tell me. I do think, again, that these are the four best teams in college football, and I do think if Michigan had to handpick, they would have picked Florida State. I think Michigan would much rather play Florida State than Alabama. I think Alabama was the last team these four, these three teams wanted to face. Alabama is getting good now. They had that shit-ass game against USF. Absolute shit show against USF. They had that Hail Mary against Auburn. They lost to Texas. But they look, they look good. They look good. Sometimes you need a little miracle like that against Auburn. Auburn had the same thing. They went to a national championship on a kick six and a Hail Mary the week before against Georgia. Like, they, when Florida State beat Auburn in the national title game, when Nick Marshall was the quarterback at Auburn, they needed a few miracles to get there as well. So, man, it's just, it's just a fun time. 
Fun and stressful time. My team was never involved in getting in the top 10. <laughs> I'm intrigued to know where I would have Iowa would have gone had they beat Michigan and how far Michigan would have dropped being a, what, what was the line, 23-point favorite? Which they covered. And that was kind of the funny thing about the fumble. Like, the fumble, it's annoying, but it didn't really change the outcome of the game. I'm not... I don't think you were all expecting Iowa to drive the whole length of the field and score a touchdown. No, the the more likely outcome is that just accelerated the touchdown process because Iowa was going to punt the ball away. Michigan was getting the ball at like the 45, their own 45. Corey Taylor would have gotten out there, but Michigan would have scored on that drive anyway. So I'm, it's whatever at this point. Uh, take a sip of Bushlight. I don't know if you heard that. I hit my tooth. <laughs> Ow. Jeez. But along with the college football playoff rankings, we brought this up with Jordan Travis with the Heisman. The four Heisman finalists have been announced, and it is the same people you would expect. It's Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr. It's it's who you expected. It's exactly who you expected. It's exactly who I expected. It's exactly who they've been pretty much saying are going to be the Heisman finalists the entire time since, I don't know, week nine. It's pretty much what this has felt like. And... After watching the Pac-12 championship game, I think both quarterbacks played all right, Knicks and Penix. I think they played all right. But after watching that game, I am even more confident that Jane Daniels just won the Heisman. I don't think it's going to be relatively close. I think Jane Daniels should take away like 75% of the vote. I think Marvin Harrison Jr., this is the catch-22 we got on our hands, though. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football. But he's a wide receiver. He's not going to win the Heisman. It's going to be one of the quarterbacks. And if we're going off the quarterbacks, and we're going behind, who's number two behind Harrison is Jaden Daniels. As we've talked about before, like again, when Iowa played Nebraska, they flashed the Heisman, like the four players for the uh, in, in Kansas for the Heisman. And they had all their passes. Just look at the quarterbacks. They had Knicks, Penix, Daniels, all their passing yards. All similar numbers. Pe- total touchdowns, fairly similar. If you're going to, I always have a problem with this. If you're going to put total touchdowns, you have to put total yards. Because if you put in total yards, it's not even close. (laughs) They're all relatively the same in regards to passing numbers. Yards total is a completely different story. Daniels has 1,100 yards rushing this season. Bo Nix has like 130. Michael Penix, I think, has negative 17 or something. Like, it is not even close if we're including total yards. Daniels has, I think, four interceptions this season. Knicks, I think, has nine. Pen- or, no, Penix has nine. I think Knicks has three. Now, granted, they did play one more game. They both played in the Pac-12 championship game. They both threw one more interception there. But they also had more time to pad their stats a little bit in regards to the passing yards. But Daniels is the best player in college football. I've talked about this before. I've talked about this the entire season, about how the these awards are starting to gear towards more team success than in regards to individual player. So there is part of me that thinks, like, Penix, I, if I had to bet, well, geez, I, I think I think Nix has been the second-best quarterback in the country. But I think since Penix beat Bo Nix twice this season, or his team beat ben, Bo Nix twice, I would imagine Penix has the best chances to win it past Daniels because of the head-to-head against Bo Nix. Even though Bo Nix, I think, has played better in the latter stages of the season. I think he's played a lot. Like, earlier in the season, I think a lot of his numbers were down to the offense they ran. I think a lot of his numbers still are down to that. It's a lot of quick, 
not a lot of thinking offense. Very, I, I hate saying it like this because it makes him sound stupid, but it's a dumbed-down offense. It's a very quarterback-friendly offense, I guess I could say. It's not necessarily rocket science. Let's put it like that. Like against USC, their first two drives ended in five total plays. Like combined, combined. <laughs> they had two a drive that went two plays, a drive that went three plays. That happened quite a bit where they had drives that would go with like five or less plays. That happened quite a bit. And credit to Knicks for making quick decisions on the fly, but it's not necessarily the most complex offense in the world. And I think a lot of his numbers early on in the season were due to that. They ran a lot of shorter passes. He ate up a lot of yards after catch because you have Tez Johnson and Troy Franklin at wide receiver, two of the fast receivers in all of college football. But as we've gone later in the season, I think Knicks' play has gone up in regards to what he's doing more in the offense. I think he's throwing the ball really, really well. His connection with Terrence Ferguson at tight end has been really good. We saw a touchdown between them in the Pac-12 championship game. Like It's been a very fun last few games for Bo Nix, last half of the season since the Washington game. Reverse of Michael Penix, who had his best stuff pretty much before the Oregon game. I know the USC game he played well, but there are weird games in that stretch as well. The Oregon State game was weird. I understand Oregon State has a very good passing defense, but it was a weird game. The Washington State game was a weird game. The Arizona State game was a weird game. Like There was a few weird games in there for Michael Penix. If I'm looking at Knicks and Daniels, I don't think they ever had a... Daniels had the Florida State game, week one. That was not a great game for Jane Daniels. That was not a great game. But I don't necessarily think he had that many stinkers against bad teams. He didn't really play a lot of really bad teams this year. And like Caleb Williams to a certain extent, LSU's defense was shipping points for fun as well. So kind of similar in that regard there. But man, I, I think Daniel should walk away with this. I've been on that boat for about, I don't know, a few past three weeks, month maybe, that Jane Daniel should win the Heisman Trophy. I'm even more stamped on that now than I was back then, especially, again, after watching the Pac-12 Championship game. I'm not saying that Penix and Knicks played bad in the Pac-12 Championship game, but that's where I'm kind of sitting on that. But we'll see. If I had to make a prediction about who's going to, what the order will be for the Heisman Trophy, I think it would, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. Daniels, let's see, the product, I got to be realistic as well. I think Harrison comes fourth. I don't, I don't, I think he has a very, he has one of the best cases to win the Heisman in regards to just physical talent. But he's going to finish fourth. It's a similar situation to Justin Jefferson in the MVP race last year. He finished fifth. I don't know why he got put in it. He was going to come last the entire time. Pretty much walked away with the office player of the year, though. But I think if I was voting and like trying to be as realistic as possible, I would say Daniels, Knicks, Penix, Harrison. That would be my high, That would be my four. I think it will finish Daniels, Penix, Knicks, Harrison. That's how I think it will finish. But I... But what I think and what I feel is different just because of what I've seen recently. I hope Dan- I hope Michael Penning's receivers are all kicking it in this game against Texas because Roma Dunze has been a beast this year. Roma Dunze has been one of the best receivers in all college football this year. And we're going off Heisman candidacies, Daniels, and like they all have really good receiving cores, really. <laughs> they, all, they all are stacked receiving cores. But Penning's receiving core recently, like Jalen Polk's battled, the, he's battled some iffy hands recently. McMillan's been hurt. So it's been a Dunze and Jack Westover's been playing pretty solidly as well from the tight end position. Dylan Johnson's played well from the running back spot as well. Their O-line's been playing great, but 
post drops have come in at big moments later in the season. And he even had a game against Georgia, Oregon State where Penix threw a ball down the near sideline and it got pretty much a 50-50 ball and, Pen- and Polk got the ball ripped away from him. Like, I think Polk was struggling with some confidence issues in those last few games. But I think all of those guys, you, you can't really nail it down to, like, talent around them because they all have got really good players around them. Like, Bo Nix has got Tez Johnson, Troy Franklin, as we mentioned before, Terrence Ferguson at tight end, Herbert, Justin Herbert's brother at tight end, uh, Bucky Irving at running back, Jordan James at running back, solid off the line. Jane Daniels has obviously got Malik Neighbors. He's got Brian Thomas Jr. at wide receiver. Um, crap, who's number uh, – he's got Logan Diggs at running back. He's got – crap, there's a number two that plays wide receiver. Not Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But they've all got really good players around them. I think if we're going position for position, I think Penix has got the best position group around him. But I don't want to use that as a hindrance because I think, again, all of them have very good players. I think Daniel's the most talented out of all of them, and I think he should walk away with the Heisman. But, you know, that would remain to be seen. That will remain, remain to be seen. And we'll see if he joins our Heisman winners list. We are going to do a quiz again. Yes, I've got two quizzes lined up for you. It's a Wednesday. Thought it'd be fun. We did a quiz last week. We went over to the national championship winning quarterbacks. At least I think we did. I think that, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> we did not have the most recent one, though. We did not have Stetson Bennett in there, I don't think. It was started off with Mac Jones, I, I believe. But we're going to go here. We're going to go Heisman Trophy winners. Should be fun. Should be fun there. And we're going to go MVP winners as well. We'll dive into the MVP race here in a little bit. But I thought since we're going to talk about both, might as well do a quiz on both. There's 43 players in the Heisman. There are 60, uh, 66 players for the MVP. And if it gets too long and we're struggling a little bit, we'll end the quiz early. We got six minutes in the Heisman quiz. We got 10 minutes in the NFL MVP quiz. But we might not just we might not do the entire thing. But well, that remains to be seen. That remains to be seen. But here we three, two, one, go. Okay, last year's Heisman. Oh, they put forfeited for 05. That's Reggie Bush, but whatever. We were gonna get that one regardless, but. We got Caleb Williams in 2022. We got Bryce Young. We got Devontae Smith. We have got Joe Burrow. Obviously, we have got Kyler Murray. Baker Mayfield, obviously. Back-to-back number three. Back-to-back-to-back number one overall picks. We got Lamar Jackson in 2016. One of my favorite MVPs to watch. 2015. Is that Derrick Henry? It was Derrick Henry. Oregon, Marcus Mariota. My favorite players to watch in college football history, Jameis Winston. Could be getting the start for the Saints this weekend. Johnny Manziel after before Jameis. Baylor was RG3. Then Auburn was Cam Newton. Alabama 09 was Mark Ingram. Oklahoma 08 was Sam Bradford. Florida 07 was Tim Tebow. Obviously, not Tebow. Uh, Troy Smith was 06. We got forfeited. Uh, Matt Leinert for 04. 03, we brought him up last last quiz we did. Uh, Jason White, one of the few Heisman winners not to get drafted. He had the knees of an 80-year-old. Uh, USC in 02, should have been Brad Banks, but we're going to go Carson Palmer. Uh, 01, Nebraska, that is Eric Crouch. Played safety in the NFL. Then he got drafted by the Eagles in like the third round or something. Florida State, 2000, uh, the 50-year-old quarterback, Chris Winkie. Played Michael Vick in a national championship game. Florida State versus Virginia Tech. Uh, Wisconsin, 99, I think that's Ron Dane. Uh, Ricky Williams, 1998 for Texas. 97, that's Rod Woodson. We're kind of cruising now. 
96, Florida. This is Iowa State's favorite Heisman winner, Danny Warfel. I never, never know how to spell his name. Warfel? I, I got I to gotta look up his name because I can't spell it. I'm counting it because I, I know who it is. Warfel. That's not how you spell his name. Football. There we go. All right. Danny Warfel. There we go. Ohio State, 95. That would have been Eddie George, right? Colorado. Oh, that's the running back. Salam. Yes, Rashawn Salam. Florida State, 93. That's Charlie Ward, right? Yeah. 92, Miami. Is that Gino Toretta? Yes, it is. Michigan, 91. That is Desmond Howard, who actually predicted the high, the final four before the season started. 1990, Ty Detmer, right? I think so. Ty Detmer. Houston, is that – it's either Andre Ware or Klingler. We're going to go Andre – it's Andre Ware. Because David Klingler, he got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals to replace Boomer Sias, and they put up back-to-back years of insane numbers at Houston. Dick Klingler broke all of Andre Ware's records, and both were equally ass in the NFL. Uh, 88, Barry Sanders, one of the best Heisman seasons ever. You remember on the NCAA football 13 game, yeah? Notre Dame at 87, that's Tim Brown. Right? Yeah, Tim Brown. Miami, Florida, that's Vinny Testaverde. We know that one. Got to spell his name right, though. It's an A. Uh, Bo Jackson. It should have been Chuck Long. Should have been Chuck Long in 85, but it's Bo Jackson. Uh, 84 is Doug Flutie, Bill's legend. Nebraska, is that Irving Fryer? No. Oh, crap. Who's the running back? Rogers. Rogers. Charles Rogers. George Rogers. No, that's not the Rogers I'm looking for. Who? Crap. George 82, that's Herschel Walker. USC 81. Oh, no. I have two left. Irving Fryer wasn't that. Who was the... We got George Rogers, Charles Rogers, and that's not Tommy Frazier. Uh, crap. Who who was that? It's not Fryer. I'm trying to make sure I spell his name right. It's got an A in it. Charles Rogers, Irving, Irving Fryer... Oh, no. Who? It's the 1983 Heisman. Oh, no. Who? Who? I searched Taylor. It's not Taylor. USC 81. Bo, it's not OJ. I mean, we might as well. I know I know it's not. He was. <laughs> he played for the Bills. I know it's not OJ Simpson. But I had to try. I had to try. USC 81. I think it was a running back. I literally, like, I saw this guy the other day on Wikipedia. <laughs> and now I cannot remember his name for the life of me. I can't remember the Nebraska Heisman winner either. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. It's not Tommy Frazier. He was in the 90s. He didn't, well, he didn't even win a Heisman. He won a national championship, though. I'm not getting it. I'm stuck. I got 55 seconds left to get two people. And I, we freaking cruised that. And now I'm stuck here with two people left. Nebraska, it's not Irving Fry. When did, okay, I, I'm not going to count. I'm not going to count it because I'm just going to let the timer run out. But when did Irving, did Irving Fryer win a Heisman or I'm, am I going insane? I knew he was the number one overall pick in the draft. No, he did not. I knew, I knew he was the number one overall pick in the draft, but I, I don't know who this is. I'm just going to give up. Not worth it. Mike Rozier, Marcus Allen. 
Oh, no, Marcus Allen. That wasn't even the guy I was thinking of for USC. Marcus freaking Allen. Mike Rozier. I, I know who both those people are. This is so infuriating. So infuriating. I got two off. Two off. We, we, we went in order. We were cruising. And then we stopped with freaking Mike Rozier and Marcus Allen. Oh, my God. Raiders legend Marcus Allen. And we didn't get it. Are you serious? 43 people. 41. And I wouldn't have got it with the four. I had 24 seconds left. I wouldn't have gotten it with the 24 seconds either. Crap. Dang, man. We crew. That was so smooth. That was so smooth. And then just out of it. We're just out of it. All right, we'll do the NFL MVP quiz. Maybe get better. 66 people on here. There's no way I get 40. I, I'm going to try and get 42. I don't think there's a chance in hell we get this. But who knows? Actually, no, because there's multiple winners. There's multiple. We're going to have Brady Rogers in here a few times. Okay, never mind. We're getting 42. <laughs> well, I knock on wood, of course, but well, I, I think we can get 42 on this. Heisman was all one person for each year. So, all right, three, two, one. Can't see Chiefs. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. We're going to have him two times. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to have him a few times. Uh, Ravens, we've got Lamar Jackson, first repeat of the list. Uh, Patriots in 17, Tom Brady. Falcons, Matt Ryan. Panthers, Cam Noon, our second repeat. Uh, Denver Broncos, 13, Peyton Manning. Here we got the five. So we're already at 17. Uh, Vikings, Adrian Peterson, 2012. Uh, 06, LT, LaDainian Tomlinson. 05, CLCX, that's Sean Alexander. Yeah, we're already at 20. Oakland Raiders, that's Rich Gannon. Uh, St. Louis Rams, that's Kurt Warner. No, that's Marshall. Well, Mar- uh, it counts either way. Marshall Falk won one, Kurt Warner won two. Um, th- three years in a row. Uh, Broncos, John. No, 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 no. Was it Elway or Davis? It was Terrell Davis. Packers, Lions. Oh, it's Barry Sanders and Brett Favre. Brett Favre won three in a row. Uh, 94, Steve Young. Dallas Cowboys, 83. Is that Emmett? Is Emmett Smith. Buffalo Bills, 91. That's Thurman. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, 1990. Uh, it could be Jerry Rice or Joe Montana. It's Joe Montana. Uh, Boomer Esiason. I never can spell his name. I never, I'm never. i never able to spell Boomer Esiason. I don't know what it is. I can't do it. But I know it's Boomer Esiason. Come on. Hurry up. So yeah, Boomer Esiason. Denver Broncos, 1987. It's definitely not Craig Morton, but we're going to search it. It's not Craig Morton. General way would have been there anyways. Rod Smith. It's not Rod Smith either. He played later. Who would it have been? Mark. Uh, we'll skip that one. Let's get the uh, 86. That's Phil Sims. Make sure I spell his name right. No, it's not Phil. Oh, it's Lawrence Taylor. What am I talking about? It's Lawrence Taylor. Uh, Raiders 85. It's not Bo Jackson. I'm going to search Bo Jackson. Marcus Allen. Does he hear Bo Jackson won the Heisman? Marks Allen won the MVP. 84 Dolphins. That's Dan Marino. Washington. I mean, they had a kicker win a high uh, MVP. Joe Theismann also won an MVP. I don't remember what the kicker's name is. He's the only kicker to ever win a MVP. In the strike shortened season. But he was 82. Don't remember his name. But uh, Cincinnati Bengals, 81. Ken Anderson. Did he win MVP? I did not know that. Complete guess. 1980. Yeah, we're already at 41. 1980 Cleveland Browns, 
Ernest Biner. There's no way Ernest Biner won an MVP. Who who was their receiver? It's it's not him. I don't even know why I'm searching it. I need mean, Paul Warfield. I, Houston Oilers. Who would have been the Houston Oilers MVP? Earl Campbell. Camp Camp Bell. There you go. Pittsburgh Steelers, 79. We got Terry. Had to win one in there. Uh, Bears, 77. Uh, Gale Sayers is not in 77, but I had to search him anyways. Walter Payton. I don't know why Gale Sayers came up, <laughs> came up first. Indianapolis Colts, 76. Vikings, 75. Vikings, 75. We're at 44 out of 66 with 637 left. Bills, 76. Jack Kemp, I think, won one. No. Oh, that's OJ. That's OJ. Why am I doing? Yeah, that's OJ. John Riggins didn't won one for Washington. Um, I, I would go like Van Brocklin. Van, Norm Van Brocklin had to win one, right? He did win one. Or Bob, Bob Waterfield did if he didn't. Okay, Van Brocklin. Uh, Waterfield, I'm pretty sure, won an MVP. No, Bob Waterfield did not win an MVP. Baltimore Colts, uh, Unitas, three of them. New York Giants, did Frank Gifford win an MVP? He did not. Baltimore Colts, Earl Morrill. <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> L.A. Rams, uh, uh, Burt Jones for the Colts. That's not uh, who I was looking for. <laughs> oh my goodness mean joe green i'm just kind of spitballing players Otto graham did he win an mvp no jim brown he won a few mvps in there we're at 55 out of 66 with 525 left um bob waterfield didn't win mvp that's kind of surprising bart Starr. Uh, Paul Horning. I never am able to spell Paul Horning, but we'll get, and if it's not him, who's the receiver they had forever? Hornug. Paul Hornug. Is there any more Packers player? Who's the receiver they had for a very long time? Don Hudson. Don Hudson. I, I mean, I might as well search him. He's not in here, but... Uh, Paul Warfield. I got to make sure I'm spelling his name right because I don't think I was. Warfield. Did he? I don't think he won an MVP. No. Did Irving Fryer win an MVP? <laughs> uh, Dorsett. Did he win an MVP? I think I would have already seen Tony Dorsett in there. I don't know. The kicker. I know there's a kicker for the Cleveland or the the Washington football team in there. 1982 was the MVP he won. Don't remember what his name was. The Vikings. Who would have won the Vikings MVP in 75? Oh, Fran. What am I doing? Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton. The Raiders in 74? Jim Plunkett would have won an MVP. I don't even think that's the year he could have won it. Who would have they? Who else would they have had? Fred Belitnikoff? Would he have won an MVP? I don't know how to spell his last name either. Ironically, the first Fred that popped up. <laughs> Fred Bolitnikov did not win MVP. Vikings in 71. I got three minutes and 33 seconds left. Vikings in 71. Who would they have? Who else would they have had? 
LA Rams at 69, 49ers in 70. They had a quarterback that wore number 12 in San Fran before Montana, but I don't remember what his name is. New York Giants in 63. I'm surprised it's not Frank Gifford. Unless I'm spelling his name wrong, which could very well be the op- be very well be the case. Let's see if I was spelling his name right. No, I spelled it right. Okay, so it's not Frank Gifford. I don't think I'm going to be too upset with any of these. 87 Denver. Uh, Mecklenburg, Carl Mecklenburg. Did he win MVP? I have no idea how to spell that one, but we're going to try it out anyways. No, not Mecklenburg. Who would have won an MVP for the Broncos in 87? Not Shannon Sharp, obviously. Who else did they have at, like, running back? They went to a Super Bowl, so you'd think it'd be Elway, but we already got John Elway on here. No, we don't. What am I doing? What What was that? <laughs> it's like, we already got John Elway. Oh, no, we don't. We don't have John Elway on here at all. Oh, my God. That could have been really bad. I would have felt really bad about myself if I didn't have John Elway on here. I don't, I don't know anybody else off the top of my head that could have been any of these other spots. I know the kicker in 82, but I don't know his name, and I'm not going to look it up. Yeah, what the hell. Kicker MVP. I'm doing it. I know who it is. Mark Mosley. Yeah. I, I, I'm counting it. Yeah, I'm counting it. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a nice, calm, cool 60. I knew who it was. I knew the year. I just didn't know what his name was. We got it, though. We're counting. Now, you know what? I'll stop there. I'll give up. I'll give up. Okay, Brian Sipe. With the Browns? Yeah, nope. Ken Stabler? Okay, good. Page. I typed in pace. I typed in pace. I knew... Oh, God. John Brody? Okay, I had the quarterback there. Why a tittle? The only ones I'm not upset about are Brian Sype and Roman Gabriel for the Rams. I knew John Brody. I knew that's who it was. I should have counted that one, too. Number 12, wore play for the 49ers before Montana. I knew that one. Alan Page? I searched pace. I don't know why. Search pace, not page. Ken Stabler, I should have gotten that one. He's the snake. Should have gotten that. 60 out of 66, 91%. I stopped myself early because I cheated. I, I didn't cheat. I knew I, I knew it was a kicker. I knew he played for the Washington team, but I, I didn't know necessarily know his name. I didn't know his name. So sue me. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I sue me. Go ahead. Have fun. Have your way, audience. Jeez. But, hey, we'll take it. 41 out of 43 and then 60 out of 66. That's fine. That's fine. We can take that. We can accept. That's acceptable scores. And while we're on the topic of that, here's your questions from last week on our stupid-ass trivia game that my mom made me get. Um, uh, what did I ask? How many inches is the diameter of a hockey puck? If you said 18 inches, you would be wrong. It is three inches. I don't even remember that was the question, but I know these are the cards. I don't remember which questions they were. This one was, in 2016, the Philadelphia 76ers set a league record by doing what? 28 games in a row. If you guessed being really good at basketball, you would have been wrong, and the answer was losing. Losers. Sorry. In baseball, what is the term for a baseball when a player strikes out four times? In a single game. If you guessed the go- you guessed the bronze top hat, you would have been wrong. If you guessed the silver fedora, you would have been wrong. It is the golden sombrero. Man, if you got all those questions right, give yourself a big old hearty pat on the back and a good old high five. 
That's what you get. That's what that's what your prizes are. Man, I don't even I know the Golden Sobrero one was a question. I know the losing one was a question. I can't remember who's the most decorated Olympian of all time. I I think you know that one. Just for sake of it, I'm not even gonna give the answer. I'm not even gonna give the answer. I'll just tell you this. It's not me. So there's your guess. There's your clue. It's not Logan. But while we're on the topic of, you know, winning, MVPs, Heismans, trophies, all that stuff, we have a new favorite in the MVP race in the NFL. We have a brand new, I say brand new, we have a new favorite in the MVP, and it is none other than Iowa State's Brock Purdy. After a impressive four-touchdown game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon football, very nice game from Purdy. Debo Samuel, three touchdowns in the game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk got a touchdown. Debo had one rushing touchdown in the game. And I don't remember who got the third one or the last one. I know Ayuk had one. I know Samuel had two. I couldn't tell you anything else after that because I missed a little bit of the game. But I know Purdy played well. I know Purdy played well. And I think Purdy has put himself into a conversation where like before, when we were at the midway point of the season, or like not midway point, because we're at the midway point now pretty much. If we were at, like, if we went back to the Cleveland Browns game, before the Cleveland Browns game, that was when Purdy's, like, first initial introduction to the MVP race was, pretty pretty much, before that game. At that time, we said he is around, like, a top 15 quarterback. And I'm perfectly fine saying top 15 quarterback. Now, I would be fine with people saying he's a top 10 quarterback, but MVP candidate's a little bit of a, a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch. And I think we should, and I brought this up last week, two weeks ago. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was. This should be a year where a position player wins an MVP. It really should. Tyreek Hill is about to have 2,000 yards receiving this year. He's going to have 2,000 yards receiving. Christian McCaffrey is doing insane things on the ground. He scored in every game apart from one, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong about that. Do not fact check me. (laughs) I'm not looking it up because I don't care that much. But when you have players doing stuff like that and quarterback play not really being at the highest, where we're more looking at it through team success versus how good they are, I I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm absolutely tearing apart Brock Purdy. Again, I think you could make a very solid argument for being, being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And like the guys like Mahomes is not playing standard Mahomes stuff. I saw a thing today where they're comparing his numbers to Tommy DeVito's stats. I did not think we'd be at that point this time in the season. Obviously, they are nowhere close and they are stratospheres apart, but the fact that they're comparing the two is kind of amusing. It is kind of amusing. And Josh Allen, his team's 6-6, six and six, but he entered the weekend with leading the league in touchdowns. He left the league without playing, still leading the league in touchdowns. And the problem is everybody's going to look at Josh Allen as a turnover problem. There are so many quarterbacks in and around him with the same amount of turnovers, because people are looking at it through the interception mark. And that's fair. That's fair. He's 13 interceptions this year. But there's, a, as we brought up a couple weeks ago, there's a lot of quarterbacks with not very good stats right now in regards to turning the ball over. Josh Allen currently ranks second in the league in total turnovers. I think he has like 15 total turnovers this year. 15 or 16, I can't remember. But you look at the quarterbacks around him in the NBA, in like the turnover race, he has 13 interceptions. Match Mahomes has 10 interceptions. Jalen Hurts has 10 interceptions, who is famously known as being a 
cautionary quarterback, 10 interceptions. Tua, 10 interceptions, who is the only quarterback tied with Josh Allen in regards to passing touchdowns. Both have 24. Josh Allen just happens to have a decent, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't, don't go. (laughs) I almost said something stupid. But same number of touchdowns. Same number of touchdowns in regards to passing. Josh Allen has more rushing touchdowns, though. But like Jared Goff, who is seen as a guy who doesn't turn the ball over that much either. He had that huge stretch where he didn't turn the ball over. He has eight interceptions this year. So it's not a great year in regards to quarterback play. But look at the Brock Purdy. I mean, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions. Like Brock Purdy is one touchdown behind Josh Allen. I guess I forgot Dak exists. <laughs> Dak has 26 touchdowns, passing touchdowns. But still regards to total touchdowns. That's where our main focus is. Purdy has six interceptions. Dak has six interceptions. I think if we're looking at the MVP race and we're going off of last week, I think Dak, weirdly, has a decently strong case at winning MVP. But again, you look at the head-to-head between Purdy and Dak, Purdy dominated the game in regards to what the final score ended up being. The 49ers ended up dominating the game. Dominating the game. I have a hard time like saying Dak MVP. I have a really hard time. I don't want to take anything away from Dak this year. I think Dak's playing very, very well. But I think if we're having a year where a position player wins, I don't think he's playing that insane to warrant an MVP shout, given to where he was going into the season. I think everybody kind of knew he was a good quarterback, but there were some people, let's not forget, going into the season that said the Cowboys need to move on from him because Trayvon Diggs called him a bitch at practice. Like, there were people that said they need to move on from him, and now we're talking about MVP race. I know it's not, like, overly important to the MVP race, but, I mean, context does kind of matter. Kind of matter. Kind of. I'm saying kind of. Kind of matter. But I don't know. I th- I think we might be looking at it. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Jalen Hurts the MVP. Definitely don't think that. Like, I, I basically said X nay that last week. I mean, he got outplayed last week. Oh, God. I'm watching the Sabres versus Red Wings game. Patrick Kane's in the crowd for the Red Wings. That's sad. That is so sad. <laughs> that hurt me when I saw that the other day. But about him joining the Red Wings. But I, don't th- I think Purdy has more of a case than Jalen does. I think Purdy has more of a case than Jalen does. I don't necessarily disagree with the fact Purdy is in the running for MVP, but him winning it, I don't agree with because as we've said before, I think you can make more of a case for it in regards to him being better than what we've said before. But if we're ranking the top players in the 49ers on their offense, he probably comes in at six, five, maybe depending on who you ask, because you got McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams. Their offensive line in general is not very good, but Trent Williams is there. We talk about Emmanuel Acho, who has a legit MVP vote, had Trent Williams in his top five for the MVP this year. Do not listen to that, though. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, I don't think this is a great year for the MVP. Heisman, I think, is locked in. I think the Heisman's fairly easy. MVP, I... Again, I can see your argument with Purdy. I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he's had a very good year. That dude has played so much better than even the most diehard Iowa State fans thought he would be in the NFL. He has squashed every... Like, people want to talk about, hey, why did this guy fall the way to the last pick of the draft? Hell, 
People in the state of Iowa are asking how the hell this dude get drafted. And now he's in the legit MVP race. But I think, again, that has more to go. I don't. It's Because you just look at blindly looking at his stats. You're like, wow, 26 touchdowns. Or 24 touchdowns, sorry. 23, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions this season. But his longest completion last week, longest throw of last week was 15 yards. Dak had multiple past that. So if we're talking about which quarterback, it's again, that's where it gets tough because they're probably, for most people out there, leading the MVP race. Because I think Josh, though I don't think the turnovers are a massive, massive deal, they are important MVP voters, and the Bills are 6-6 six and six and are currently 11th in the playoff standings. I think that's what they, because the Bengals won last night, and they're 6-6, six and six and the Bengals beat the, beat the Bills. Yeah, Bills are 11th. So the Bills being 11th, Josh Allen lead league in touchdowns, but they're 6-6. Six and six, So I don't think he's going to be in the MVP race. They have to go scorched earth. They have to beat the Chiefs. They have to beat the Dolphins. They have to beat the Cowboys. So there's three MVP rivals right there. Tua, Mahomes, Dak. You beat them, then you're thrown right back into the race. And not only that, you're putting back in the playoff spot. The problem is the Bills record against the AFC. It's not great. It's not great. It's three and four. <laughs> or three and five, sorry. Three and five in the AFC this year. That's not great. That's not great. But man, what makes me, like, gives me hope the rest of the season is that they played well against the Eagles. I think they should have won, but we've, we've beat that, we've beat that horse to death. So we're not going to talk about the Eagles game, but they played well in that game offensively. The Chiefs haven't been playing great recently. They just lost the Packers. Question: the The non-pass interference call at the end was hilarious, but that's that's not important. That's not important. My lawyer says I'm not allowed to talk about that play because we're anti-Chiefs here on the Logan Blackman Show. <laughs> uh, but if they play like that, like they did against the Eagles, I think they can beat a lot of teams. I but. And the other thing is there's a lot of backup quarterbacks going in right now in the NFL, in the AFC side especially. You look at the teams above the Bills. Like, yeah, I know the Jaguars are division champion and all that stuff, but they're above the Bills. So we're going to talk about it. The Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence might be out for an extended period of time, so C.J. Beathard might be playing in that game. The Steelers, Kenny Pickett's hurt. Trubisky might be playing for an extended period of time. The Browns don't know who their quarterback is. They had Joe Flacco in last week. Apparently they're benching Joe Flacco. The Colts got Gardner Minshew in. The Texans, they got C.J. Stroud and all that. Broncos still have Russell Wilson, who are both playing really well this year. And the Bengals got Jake Browning, who had a great game against the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. Great game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So much so he set up... <laughs> uh, whatever. I was going to go in the fantasy football talk, but I don't really want to talk about a couple of the leagues I'm in right now. I should have expanded the playoffs in one of the leagues. There's four. T- I have a 12-team league. I, I didn't even bother changing the playoffs. Now we're at a point where I'm screwing myself out of the playoff spots because I lost this week, too. That doesn't help anything. But I, I do have hope for the Bills still. I'm not off. I, I'm not as off the the train as I was a couple weeks ago, like when they lost the Broncos. I'm not on that level right now because I've seen improve, vast improvements in the offensive play. And again, the Eagles interception, Josh threw the Jets interception, Josh threw. I'm not really, don't really care about them because one was a Hail Mary and one was a great play by James Bradbury. Don't really move the needles for me too much. But who knows? 
Who knows what the Bills can do the rest of the way. But as for MVP, I would not be shocked if Purdy won MVP. I would not be shocked by that at all. I wouldn't be shocked if Dak won at this point. I wouldn't be shocked if Tyreek Hill won at this point. I don't really think there's a really standout candidate this year for MVP. I think that race is still very much open. I don't think it, like, Jalen Hurts, I don't think should be MVP. I get it from the fact that his team is very good, but I don't think Jalen Hurts, I think Purdy has more of a case for that than Jalen Hurts does. And that was even before the the head-to-head against each other. I think Purdy's got more of a chance than that, which I never thought I would say <laughs> in my entire life. A sentence I never thought I would utter, Brock Purdy has better shot at winning the MVP or deserves a shot at winning the MVP more than X player. It could have been any player. Any player. And you would I would have said that's insane. The fact that I'm saying that right now, the fact that's utter that's coming out of my mouth is insane. The fact that Brock Purdy can win an MVP is insane. But again, I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he's played way above everybody's expectations here in the state of Iowa. And I think it'd be really funny. Really funny. In a cynical way, if Trevor Lawrence was hurt the rest of the year. And the Jaguars and Niners met in the Super Bowl. If the Bills don't make the playoffs, Duval, that's what we're doing the rest of the year. If C.J. Beathard plays, I know he, Trevor Lawrence only has a high angle sprain, only has a high angle sprain, but C.J. Beathard looked pretty solid last night. He looked pretty solid. And he's always going to look solid. I know he's not anything spectacular, but he'll give everything for the team. So I love C.J. Beathard. I absolutely love C.J. Beathard. But we get a Niners-Jaguars Super Bowl Oh, boy. It's just a damn shame Trevor Lawrence to get hurt earlier because C.J. Beathard would have had a better performance than he did against the 49ers a couple weeks ago. Man. <laughs> but I do think the 49ers, I think they're the best team in football right now. So I, they're, They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl anyways before the season even started. So I'm not, I haven't really changed that, even through that weird three-game stretch they had against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals, who are... All bl- <laughs> all not very good football teams. I know the Browns are above 500 in a playoff spot. If they didn't have a defense, they're like, they're the Steelers like the Iowa of the of the NFL. They are horrifically, horrific offensively. <laughs> the, the Steelers got better yards-wise. They still can't score, but they, they're looking better yards-wise. I mean, there's lots of the freaking Cardinals this weekend. And they're going with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Love to see. I took a screenshot of the quarterbacks that are playing this weekend. The matchups that we have. Hold on. I, I must have not screenshotted, I guess. Was it Sicko's committee that tweeted it out? It was a really funny matchup thing for each quarter. And that's still potential. We don't know if like Trevor Lawrence is going to miss time. They haven't ruled him out for this weekend or not yet. We'll have to wait and see. Come on, where is it at? 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 Was it last night when the right after CJ went in? Oh, there it is. Found it, found it, found it. QB matchups for next week. Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky on Thursday night football. Must see TV. CJ Beathard versus Joe Flacco. What a game that will be. Gardner Minshew versus JK JK Browning. J <laughs> Browning. That'll be fun. Baker versus Desmond Ritter. Fun. Josh Dobbs, who might play. Who knows what their quarterback situation will be after the bye week. Could be Jaron Hall. Who knows? Went from the astronaut to the astronaut. Uh, playing Aiden O'Connell, Raiders-Vikings, and Bryce Young, Jameis Winston. Bryce Young is getting sick of this shit in Carolina, and I do not blame him. I do not blame him. Oh, here's another. What QB efficiency would look like if we counted for drops? Josh Allen, the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. Just above Dak and 
Brock Purdy. There is a pretty big gap between the top four and number five. Mahomes comes in at number four there. But Josh is the most efficient when he, including drops. And then clutch performances, 2013, 2023, sorry. Win probability added per drop back. EPA per drop back. Josh Allen, again, is far and away that. So, again, if the Bills were above 500 or in a playoff spot, Josh Allen would be the far and away MVP favorite. Again, the turnovers, I don't care. I don't care about the turnovers. And Josh Allen is, again, not far and away the turnover machine everybody wants to make it out to be this year. If he plays like he did against Philly, he can do it. He easily walk away with the MVP if the Bills were above 500. Again, he left the field with the lead three times this season, and the defense gave up game-winning scores. Broncos game, Patriots game, Eagles game. He's done it a few times this year. If it weren't for a 12-man penalty, the Bills would be 7-5 and five right now. <laughs> but can't win them all. Can't win them all. Or for a punt return. And the week one game, ass. Four turnovers, ass game. But, again, we'll see. We've still got a decent amount of season left. Bills play a lot of really good teams. So, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I am very intrigued to see how the rest of the season goes. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have for you today. Got a few transfers in. We got Tyler Buckner transferring back to Notre Dame to play across. Transfer from Notre Dame to Alabama to play football. Transfer back to Notre Dame to play across. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to Oregon to replace Bo Nix. Uh, Johnson, Max Johnson from Texas A&M is going up to North Carolina to replace Drake May. Nothing confirmed yet on Drake May going to the NFL, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. And we'll keep an eye on the rest of them. Uh, Riley Leonard transferring from Duke. Looks like Notre Dame's the leader in that one, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But who knows? Who knows? We've got a long offseason in college football for some teams. We have got a lot of season left for the NFL. We'll go over bowls and stuff on Friday's episode, we'll have, we'll try to get some people on for that one. We'll have to wait and see on that. I gotta I gotta confirm or deny some people for that one. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll see you on Friday. Hope you enjoyed. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure to follow Logan Blavin on every single forum social media again. And I will see you guys later. Peace.